For those who notice that there's no children here, the rapture did not happen. Um, so they went back. If there are any other kids that need to go to Grace Kids, you can head on right now if you'd like. Um, Ellie's in the back there waiting for you. So with the, uh, with the three campuses, something new we're doing is we're doing uh, announcements from time to time, video-wise, that's across all three campuses. And we're trying to bring continuity between the three campuses and doing things at the same time, different ministries kind of going at the same time as much as we can. So this is something kind of new, but I wasn't thinking ahead, and I was like, oh, that's right, we do things a little differently here in the sense that right now we only do basically a 30-minute children's ministry, and um, so we normally dismiss our kids, and we do that at the offering time. So apologize, parents, that kind of freaked you out on that one. My bad, you can blame me, that's fine, everybody does for everything, so <laughs> that's all right. Anyways, well, we've been looking at... Um, what Jesus has to say about Christians and the fact that they are all in uh, for Christ, that they've placed their faith in Jesus Christ, they've received God's forgiveness, and they are all in, and that they are to then live all out in order to represent Him to the world around them and, and bring the message of that salvation to people, the gospel, as we call it, the good news. And our uh, campus, as was said in the video, um, the Tiffin campus soft launched last Sunday, which means they started church, but it was for the launch team primarily. And then next week, so they're doing that again this week, making sure everything goes well tech-wise. And you guys know we've had some issues, so obviously they have all new stuff put in, so they have to kind of work through everything. So they'll be doing that again this week. And then next week, they actually kick things off, um, what we call a hard launch or the grand opening. So last week, 385 people showed up down to Tiffin, Tiffin. and um, so just thanking the Lord, that's Pastor Zach up there, and um, so he's, he's pretty stoked. He looked a little bit, he was a little bit, um, his mind was a little bit blown on Thursday uh, in staff meeting, so we're like, Zach, are you excited? Yeah. I don't think he was expecting that many people to show up, so... Um, anyways, pretty cool, neat building down there in Tiffin, so be praying for them as they continue to reach Seneca County for Christ and, and the surrounding area. Like I said, we are in a, a series called All In, All Out. My wife told me to stay close to my notes today um, because I think this is going to be, a, as I said before, uh, a great message. Not because I'm giving it, because of what Jesus has to say, but we've been in a series, and basically over the last three or four weeks, this is, this is kind of how you can summarize what we've looked at. We've been looking at what Jesus has to say about what it means to be a Christian. To be a Christian means a Christ one. To be a disciple of Jesus, which means to follow Jesus. And there's not, you know, there's not levels of Christianity. There's not those who are more spiritual than others, and that it's okay to kind of sit in, you know, yeah, if I'm a Christian, I just go to church on Sundays and that's it. Or maybe I go to church from time to time, but not all the time. But that's good. That's fine with me. Jesus doesn't have anything to say about that. This is what he says, that they're Christians, Christians are all in for Jesus because God has forgiven their sins through faith in Jesus. Christians are people who truly understand, I'm messed up, I'm a sinner, and I can't do anything to fix that. I can't make myself right with God no matter how good I think I am, no matter how much I try, I can't. And it's only through faith in Jesus Christ that Jesus Christ did the work 
that's going to allow us to have God's forgiven, forgiveness of our sin. And so we're all in for that. We're all in for Christ because He died for us. He took our place. And then we're all out and using all that God has given us. He's given us material resources. He's given us financial resources. He's given us our very lives. And all of that is to be used in order to introduce people to Jesus Christ through our lives. In fact, we learn that everything we have is, is God's. It's not even ours. He's given it to us to manage and to use, not to build our kingdom, our little kingdom, but to build His kingdom. And so as we've been looking at, Jesus has done the work of salvation. We need to spread the word. So turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 5. It's page 999 uh, in the Bible there, if you're using the one in the chairs. Good thing it wasn't the other, flipped around the other way. Because <laughs> then it'll be 999. If it was 666, that would be really kind of scary. But anyways. But in Mark chapter 5, we find an instance where we've been looking at what Jesus has said. Now this is something that Jesus has done. And he changes a man's life in, the, in a way that is far beyond, I'm sure, anything this person, this guy could have ever anticipated. He transforms this guy's life. And what Jesus does for this guy then motivates him to be all in for Christ through faith and to be all out in inviting other people to meet Jesus Christ. That's what the story is all about. So let me uh, read it first for you, and then we'll uh, get rolling. So it starts out, uh, Mark chapter 5, verse 1, They, meaning Jesus and his disciples, came to the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gerasenes. And when he got out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs, with an unclean spirit, met him. And he had his dwelling among the tombs. So this guy, this guy is a social outcast. This guy is screwed up. This guy is actually demon-possessed. Okay, he's, he's not, Nobody wants him around. And he's, well, we'll see as we go along here. And no one was able to bind him anymore, even with chains. So for a while there, they were able to kind of keep him under control, but no more. So they weren't able to bind him with chains because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been torn apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. This guy was a scary dude. Constantly, night and day, he was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains. Can you just imagine that? He's out there yelling, screaming. That sound carries into the towns around. And gashing himself with stones. It's kind of the first century version of cutting himself. If you know people today who, who cut themselves. It, that's kind of what he's doing there, but with stones. Seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up and he bowed down before him and shouting with a loud voice, he said, What business do we have with each other, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? This guy knew who Jesus was better than some supposed followers. I implore you, or I beg you by God, do not torment me. For he had been saying to him, Jesus had been saying to this guy, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he was asking him, What is your name? And he said to him, My name is Legion. Legion, like a thousand. So this guy is thoroughly inundated with demonic 
stuff going on, for we are many. And he began to implore him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there was a large herd of swine feeding nearby the mountain. The demons implored him, saying, Send us into the swine, so we may enter them. And all you bacon lovers are like, No! Jesus gave them permission. And coming out, the unclean spirits entered the swine, <laughs> and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea, about 2,000 of them, and they were drowned in the sea. Their herdsmen ran away, reported it in the city and in the country. And the people came to see what was, what was it that had happened. They came to Jesus, and they observed the man who had been demon-possessed sitting down, clothed, and in his right mind, the very man who had had the legion, and they became frightened. Those who had seen it described it to them, how it had happened to the demon-possessed man and <laughs> about the swine. And they began to implore him, again, that word means beg, beg him to leave their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed was imploring him, begging him that he might accompany him. And he did not let him. Kind of weird, right? What, doesn't Jesus want followers? Doesn't Jesus want people hanging out with him? You know, he's got 12 guys. 13 wouldn't have been so bad, right? Did not let him. But he said to him, Go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis, which is a, a ten-city area, what great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. So this guy takes off into the cities, and he starts telling them about what happens, what happened to him. Here's Jesus' point. Notice I'm staying close to my notes. Just <laughs> Kim told me to, so I'm going to. Those who have been changed by Jesus, Christians, okay, and we've got to keep on reminding ourselves of this. Those who have been changed by Jesus are all in for Jesus and live all out to invite people to know Jesus. And here are two very simple but extremely powerful points that I think Jesus wants us to get from this experience that he had. It's this. Jesus wants to change your story. If you haven't already accepted Christ as your Savior, and you're sitting here this morning, Jesus wants to change your story. But secondly, Jesus wants to use your story in drawing other people to Him, about telling what God has done in your life through faith in Jesus Christ. Well, what do I mean by the fact that Jesus wants to change your story or our story. Well, this guy who showed up is messed up. Thoroughly messed up. He's got literally no control anymore in and of himself. He's hiding around the tombs. Hiding out in a cemetery. Wailing and yelling in agony and pain. Trying to hurt himself and cut himself. He's thoroughly messed up. Now, you may not believe in demons, and that's fine. Jesus did, and he dealt with them. So you may not be thinking, well, demon, but that's going to cry. Okay, throw out the demon for a second. This guy's life was a mess. So much so that he couldn't fix it. We get that, right? 
This guy, just like you and me, didn't start out that way. Probably started out doing life the way he thought he should do life and chased after the things that he should have thought he should have been chasing after and filled his life with the things that he thought he should be filling his life with. It just happened that every time he made a choice, it had consequences. And so then he responded to those consequences. And then he decided to do the things that he thought he should do. And those had consequences. And then he responded to the consequences. And it was just a spiral downward to the point that he had no more control. And people couldn't even control him. The shackles that he had, that once held him, he could break those apart and free himself. And so, again, we we may not be dealing with demons, but those of you who have come to Christ, maybe that's what your life was, out of control, pursuing stuff that didn't satisfy, so you pursued it harder and harder and harder, and it didn't satisfy, and pretty soon it's controlling you, chasing after money, chasing after careers, chasing after relationships, Chasing after who knows what. Maybe there's a hole inside of you that's just like, I, I, I'm, just, I'm empty, I'm depressed, I'm sad, I'm hopeless. And so I'm going to try to fill it. I'm going to try to hide it. I'm going to try to escape from it. And pretty soon those things control us. And those things cause us to go into a downward spiral. This guy was just further down the spiral. But like we learned last week, James said, if you, if you offend the law, if you sin in one little area, you're guilty of all of it. So it's not the degree of sin that matters. It's sin that matters. And, the, and it's not the degree. It's the fact that we have it. So this guy, he ends up out of control. And the things that he pursued began to pursue him and control him and keep him from being able to live life, and there's no way for anybody to help him. And so this guy needed something to happen. This guy needed someone, something, something that, to, that was more powerful to him to break him of this. And along comes Jesus Christ. Now, again, I, I'm going to I'm I'm try not to get preaching this morning, <laughs> because this is... This is good. I've been praying about this. This stuff is so good. I'm staying close to my notes. Don't don't miss the point. A guy who was thoroughly under the control of something other than himself, who couldn't fix himself, was able to do one thing. He ran to Jesus. And he didn't just run to Jesus, he bowed down to Jesus and declared, you are the Son of the Most High God. He's saying, you are God. And in the midst of his pain, in in the midst of being completely inside of a spiritual battle that he could not control any longer, he was able to, by the grace of God, run to Jesus and bow down to Jesus. And that's a crucial thing. 
In his bowing before Jesus, he's demonstrating his humility, his willingness to to recognize Jesus for who he is, that he is the almighty God. And he turned to Jesus in faith. And Jesus released him of what was holding him in bondage. Jesus wants to change our story. He changed this guy's story from being completely out of control, self-destructive, to one who is sitting calmly, fully dressed, as Scripture says, in his right mind. Thinking correctly. Thinking normally. Paul talks about what happened to this guy. 1 Corinthians. Oh, I'm sorry, did I mess up? See, I got away from my notes. Where am I at? What slide should I be on? 13. Sorry. Okay. Thanks, Greg. <laughs> Greg's back there. Lord, please help him. <laughs> so, this is what happened to him. I won't read. He's sitting down. He's clothed in his right mind. The people came out to see what happened because they knew that this guy was a whack job, that this guy was messed up, that this guy was no use to society, if you want to put it that way. But something had changed. The herdsmen ran back to say something had changed. And now, this is what Paul how Paul explains what happened. It says, if, therefore, if anyone was in Christ, in Christ meaning you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible talks about when you do that, that we are clothed in Christ. When God sees us, he sees, uh, sees Christ and not us in that sense. So therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature or creation. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. This guy's life his story had completely changed into something brand new, a new creation. And so he, he asks if he could go with, because the people said, we don't want you here, Jesus. We're begging you, leave. Get out of, the, get out of our area. This is frightening us. They probably didn't like the fact they got rid of all those pigs as well, but they wanted them out of there. And as Jesus gets into the boat to leave. Then the man comes to him and says, let me go with you. And this is Jesus' second response, or his response is our second point. And he says this, as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed was imploring him, begging him, that he might accompany him. And he did not let him. But he said to him, go home to your people and report it to them report to them what great things the Lord has done for you. And now he had mercy on you. And he went away and he began to proclaim. He obeyed Jesus' command to go and say, this is what Jesus has done for me. This is what my life looked like. I gave my life to Christ. He freed me of my sin. And now this is what my life looks like today because of what Jesus has done. And so Jesus wants to change our story. And Jesus says, in order 
to tell your story. They were amazed. In fact, this is kind of interesting. In Mark chapter 7, we good? I feel, I feel sorry for Greg back there. Um, I'll hear about it later, but that's fine. Um, so, well, I'll just read it. So Jesus leaves the area, right? He ta- they say, get out of here, Jesus. We want nothing to do with you. So he gets in his boat, and he takes off, and he goes to do his thing elsewhere. He's teaching, preaching, healing people, telling people about who he is. And then this, Mark chapter 7. So, Mark chapter 5, get out of here, Jesus. Mark chapter 7, 31, says this. And again, he went out from the region of Tyre and came through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee within the region of Decapolis. So Jesus is like, well, you want me to leave? Okay, I'll leave. But then a little while later, he comes back to the area. All right? And look what happened. They brought to him one who was deaf and spoke with difficulty. And they implored him, begged him. That word keeps showing up, doesn't it? Matthew 5, implored him, begged him to lay his hand on him. Jesus took him aside from the crowd by himself and put his fingers into his ears. And after spitting, he touched his tongue with saliva, which, you know, weird. And looking up to heaven with a deep sigh, he said this word, Ephaphatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, and the impediment of his tongue was removed, and he began speaking plainly. And he gave them orders. <laughs> this is kind of, you got to read some humor into this, right? He gave them orders not to tell anybody. Let's keep this quiet. I don't want to get a, you know, everybody too worked up about this. But the more he ordered them, the more widely they continued to proclaim it. They were utterly astonished, saying, He has done all these things well. He makes even the deaf to hear and a mute to speak, which, by the way, in the Old Testament, that's one of the proofs for God. God's the only one who can make deaf, the deaf hear and the mute to speak. So basically, they're also claiming and identifying the fact that He is he's God. So Mark chapter 5, Jesus, get out of here. You scare us. This is frightening to us. You're ruining our lives. The guy takes off. He shares this message throughout the ten cities of the area. Jesus comes back a little while later, and they're like, we're going to go meet this Jesus after all. And, and they brought this deaf guy to him and said, hey, heal him. And then when they did that, he did that, they took off, and they started telling everybody, even if Jesus was at that point saying, whoa, 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 you know. Let's not get carried away. He didn't want to have a big riot on his hand uh, before it was time for him to die on the cross. But Jesus says, don't do it, and they go do it because of what Jesus had done. So maybe you're looking at your life and you're thinking that your life is too messed up for Jesus to fix. Or, or maybe you're looking at your life this morning and you're, you're thinking, you know, I've placed my faith in Christ, but because of my history, he can't use my story. It's embarrassing maybe to him. Or he just doesn't want to, yeah, he saved me, but he doesn't want to necessarily use me. Because I think that's where people can be in their lives. But as we close this out, one of the takeaways is this. 
that if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ personally, you've never received God's forgiveness of your sins based on faith in Jesus Christ. What Jesus is telling you is that Jesus wants to and will change your story. He'll take all the junk in the past and He'll forgive it. Scripture says He takes it as far as the east is from the west. He'll remove it. So it's not a a barrier between you and God anymore. And then what God says is that if you put your faith in Christ, if you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, if if you believe and trust that He took your eternal death and hell, which we talked about last week, if you believe that, then God says, I declare you not guilty. And not only that, but then He places His Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, into your life who gives you the strength to continue to be free of whatever it is that's messing with you and whatever, the way, whatever way you think and the, and the, the bad choices and the, the wrong choices. God gives you wisdom and understanding through time in His Word and talking with other Christians and being a part of a church family that kind of help you with that and encourage you with that. And, and then the greatest thing is when you die physically, the Holy Spirit takes you to heaven. It's a confirmed exchange, transaction. And it's a simple process. Like the man who had the strength to just run to Jesus. That's the, the strength that he had allowed him to run to Jesus and humble himself. That's what God's asking us to do. And if you haven't accepted Christ, he's asking you to do that. So we talk about the ABCs, kind of make it simple. Go back. First of all, you just admit that you, you've sinned and need God's forgiveness. And I think everybody in this room could say, yeah, I've screwed up. I've lied, I've cheated, I've done worse than that. But we just need to admit that and realize, oh, you know, I need that removed. For some of us, we know it better than others. But for all of us, I think if we're honest, we know it for ourselves. And, so, and many of us in this room have already admitted that. But then it's this next step is to believe that Jesus died your eternal death, that he took your death on the cross. That's why he died. That's why we have Easter, because he rose again. And he defeated sin and death. And that gives, God makes this transaction. He says, okay, Jesus' righteousness becomes yours. I put Jesus' life as your life now. And your sins are forgiven. And Holy Spirit inside. And then confess that to God. And that's just telling God that you believe what I've written up here, what Scripture teaches. It's just you having a conversation with God. The prayer doesn't save you. It's, it's your faith in Christ, and then God saves you by removing your sin, declaring you not guilty. So what I want to do this morning is just everybody close their eyes and we're looking around and we do this from time to time. We did it last week as well. We don't do it every week. But if you're here this morning and you're like, I know that I don't have a relationship with Christ and I need to be freed from my sin and, and I want to know for sure I'm going to heaven one day. Or maybe you're sitting here this morning and yeah, I think I did that in the past, but I'm not really sure. Well, make today, September 22nd, that day. So if you would like, I, I can lead you in a prayer. Again, the prayer doesn't save you. I'm not saving you. Please don't trust your salvation on me. But if, if, you, if you're sensing I need to do that, 
I'll be willing to kind of pray a prayer that you can repeat after me quietly, your heart to God's heart. And if you'd like to do that, just, just raise your hand. If not, we'll move on. But if, if you do, if you want to pray that prayer this morning, just simply raise your hand up and I'll lead you in that. Okay. Go ahead and open your eyes. So I just want to talk to you guys who are followers of Christ then, because the rest of this is for us. Jesus wants to and will use your story. No matter what your story is. No matter how bad your past was. He wants to use your story. Look what Paul continues on. So 2 Corinthians 5.17, we all love that verse. Those of us who have followed Christ, we love that. The fact that we are new creatures. New creations. New. Going to go to heaven one day. Awesome. But look what he says, starting in verse 18. He says, now, all these things are from God. What things? This incredible salvation that we've received. This freedom from sin that we've received is all from God. Why? Who reconciled us, made our relationship right to Himself through Christ, and gave us what? The ministry of reconciliation. Listen, if you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you say you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior, that's why you're alive today. That's why I'm alive today. The ministry of reconciliation, the the privilege of telling people our story so they can know this Jesus Christ who saved us so that they can then have the decision whether they want to see their relationship with God restored. That's why, we're, that's why we exist. Amen. Otherwise, why not just take us to heaven? Namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself. We don't reconcile ourselves, not counting their trespasses, our trespasses, our sins against them. And He has committed to us the word of reconciliation, the gospel. Therefore, because of all that, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us, we beg, implore for Mark 5 and 7. We beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. That's why we're here, Christians. That's why we do what we do. That's why we meet together on a regular basis every week. Not to try to impress God, but to worship God and to thank Him for what He's done in our lives and then to kind of get geared up to go back out into the world to make an impact for Christ. Some of you guys might think, well, I I don't have a great story of of change, of of Jesus freeing me from something. You know, my life before Christ wasn't that cool. Well, here's what your story is. Your story then is a story of how Jesus has kept you from things. Listen, some of us, praise God, were raised in godly homes, raised in church, and didn't go, our lives didn't spiral down to the, to the degree of sin that other people's, people have done. But we still are sinners. Jesus said that if you say in your mind, you idiot, you moron, you're guilty of killing somebody. Why? 
Because it's not the degree of sin, it's the sin. It's a heart issue. And if I can say I hate you to somebody, I can kill somebody. Because hatred causes people, once they get to the degree, that depth, to kill somebody. But it's not the killing as much as the heart issue. And so, we may not have spiraled down to like this guy or some other, somebody else, but our sin is just as real. But the fact that we lived life the way God wants us to, maybe even in spite of being, like for me, you know, I didn't quite, I came to the Lord when I was four, but I didn't quite I mean, get it kind of until I was in high school, but I still lived a really good life. Because otherwise my parents would whip my rear end, and you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't want that to happen. But that means God saved me from a lot of stuff. Well, we should be telling that story to people maybe who aren't and just say, hey, listen, you know, I don't know, I don't know what you've experienced, but I know how I didn't experience it. And if you begin to do stuff, give your life to Christ and start doing life the way he says, you'll see yourself track out of that and become what God wants. And so, We've been kept from things. We need to tell people that story. Some of you guys don't have a story. You've accepted Christ, but you have no story. Because if you're praying about anything, you're praying about stuff that you really can do in your own strength. Lord, I just pray that you would um, heal me from this flu. And then you go to the doctor, they give you a shot, and your flu is gone. Thank you, Lord. And I'm not saying you shouldn't pray about the flu or pray about health issues. And all that. But what I'm saying is we, we don't have a story because we're not praying for stuff that only Jesus can do. And so this, what we're trying to do like with this series and as we lead into next week with our new series called Why Believe, we're, we're trying to help our Christian people to understand what their responsibility is. And today is... If you're a follower of Christ, you need to tell your story. And for some of you, the idea of inviting someone to church has got you paralyzed with fear. That's going to be your story. That's what you're going to humbly put before Jesus Christ and say, I'm scared spitless, but I'm going to pray for three people and I'm going to invite three people to come to church next Sunday. Because see, then way they're just sitting with you in, in the chairs, and I'm doing all the work for you, which is fine. I'll do that. And then you can have a conversation. So here's how we want to kind of prime the pump for you. So next week, we have a new series. And so we have our bracelets. Some of you guys grabbed them last week. There's some, still some more over here uh, to pick up. When we close this morning, uh, we're going to close with a song, and during that song... Feel free to come on up and grab one if you haven't already. If you're committing to pray for three people and to invite those three people to uh, church on the 29th, then grab one of these, okay? Um, and then commit to pray and commit to invite. We're going to be doing a series called Why Believe? And it's just, why should people believe in Jesus Christ? And it's going to be four or five weeks. And so as you're talking with people, and ask them, you know, do you believe in, in God? Do you believe in Jesus? No. Oh, why not? Well, this and that. Well, hey, if you come to church, we're going to probably answer that question in our next series. You should come check it out and see. We've got a mailer going out that's going to look like this. It's got some information on the backside. So that's going out this week. You'll, you'll get one in your mail, most likely, unless you live in Toledo. Um, 
So you get that. Well, you know about it, and you're going to be here next week, right? Three of you will be here next week, so that's good. Great. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. Nice. There you go. So you grab that, and you take it to work. And you talk to people at work and say, hey, you should come check this out. It's a good time. We have invite cards. Most of you, I think, got them. I know Mary was passing around, but we got more invite cards. So I'll tell you a story. We had our, uh, our neighborhood get-together. About 40 of our neighbors got together. And um, some our other neighbors have, were telling everybody else about who Kim and I were. And the fact, so we didn't have to talk about the church at all. Um, they were talking about it for us. So one lady comes up to me. Um, actually, I went to the table because I was bored and didn't know what to do. Everybody else was cleaning up, and I'd already done my work, so I was going to hang out and listen to conversation. Somebody turns to me and says, where's your church located? So I start explaining it to her, you know, and I use my hands. And so I do this. Kim drops a pile of cards in my, in my hand. It just drops and keeps going, you know, like that. So I'm like, oh. So I just, you know, like, a, like I'm dealing cards, you know, shooting them out to people, which was a really kind of a fun way of, of doing it. Um, but, you know, people are hearing about our church, and we're not the ones necessarily telling them our neighbors are, which is kind of good. They had me pray. They asked if I would pray before the meal, um, which some of the people were like, I heard some rustling, you know, kind of, they freaked out for a moment, but that's okay. Um, I just did a Gregorian chant. They all seemed to enjoy it, so. <laughs> oh, no, Sodomi. Anyways, so, uh, invite cards. Put a Grace Point sign in your yard. So we've got more Grace Point signs. Put that baby right on your, in your yard. If you've got a large area, grab two. Okay, otherwise, they're just going to sit there, and we all see them, so we know where we're at, right? I hope. So grab a GP sign. Put that in your yard. Neighbors may ask about it. Um, and may, you know, they may ask you about it. And then wear your Grace Point, Grace Point shirt this week. Well, all the time. But if you're going out and you're walking through Walmart or Meyer or your whatever, put your Grace Point shirt on. Someone may ask you about it. Someone may not. A lady was telling uh, Kevin, Pastor Kevin down in Fremont, that when, she's from Tiffin, and um, so she, <laughs> she told Kevin, she goes, well, if I have to run into Walmart really quick just to grab something, I make sure I'm not wearing my Grace Community shirt. He's like, why not? Because when I do, I can't get out of the store. Everyone knows about our church down there. And they keep asking me about it. And I can't get out fast enough. So if I'm wearing it, you know, I put another shirt on, and I run into Walmart, and I come up and put it, you know. All right, you know. I think that's what we call about sacrificing self. You know, you then sacrifice your time, and you actually talk to people about rather than... So wear your shirt. If you don't have one, we've got gray ones here at the church, and you can grab those. Otherwise, you can order one of these through the... The company that we get these from, they got sweatshirts now that say, I love my church. we got the Northwood Fall Festival coming up. So we're all going to be wearing those. And by the way, you can still sign up for that coming up. All right. I'm going to ask Caleb and the band to come back up, close us out in a song. And here's what I